Hello everyone, welcome back to See the Sunrise. This is season four and episode 11. Seeing the sunrise is about seeing Christ in everyday situations. We find in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33 and verse three, where the Lord speaks to the prophet while he's in prison. He says to him, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Seeing the sunrise, the S-O-N rise, is an opportunity to see what God is doing behind the scenes and in the lives of everyday people like you and me. From the pulpit to the pew, we all have had various challenges and experiences that bring us to a need for Christ. Each week I try to bring um, opportunities for us to go deeper into the scriptures. And so today I wanna to delve into Philippians 3, 7 through 14. For some of you, it's probably a familiar scripture. And then for some of you, you may not be familiar with it at all, but it's an opportunity to go inside and see what God is saying to us today from that word. Beginning with verse seven, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or and made already perfect, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So I asked the Lord, why this particular scripture? Well, it's that season where a lot of graduations and weddings are taking place. And he was talking to me about commitment. And when we think of weddings, we know that's a commitment. We say it's a life commitment, but statistics would probably disagree with me. But it is that time where people are preparing for weddings. They like, like this time of year. Men and women have exhausted tremendous resources to put on the best wedding and memorable moments that they can as they stand before witnesses pledging their love for one another. And not just love, but a commitment to each other. Have you asked, when was the last time that you made a commitment? That's what I want to ask you. When was the last time you made a commitment? And before you answer that, let me tell you what a commitment is. A commitment is being dedicated to something, showing allegiance to it, loyal to it or them, or faithful to a cause or activity. Commitment is an engagement or an obligation that restricts freedom of action. That means because of your commitment, you are limited or choose to keep in control because of the commitment you've made. Commitment is a choice. You can decide either to do it or not do it. Commitment requires personal responsibility. It also requires honesty and integrity. It is a promise that you're making and you consider marriage, that is a promise. And it requires, again, a choice. 
Some of you may be saying, well, that's a bit rigid, maybe strict, severe, harsh. When you commit, actually, though, that is what you're agreeing to. Simply put, a commitment is doing what you say you're going to do. For example, you might say, I'm going to get up early in the morning, or I'm going to start speaking up for myself, or I'm going to eat better, or I'll start exercising on Monday. Uh, and how about I'm going to work fewer hours so I can spend more time with the family? Or for you married people, you committed when you said your vows. You know what words you repeated. Let me remind you. You said, as the pastor or the preacher or whoever was the officiant, said, I, and you put your name in that blank, promise to be your honest, faithful, and loving husband or wife for the rest of my days. I pledge to honor you, love you, and cherish, cherish you as my husband or wife today and every day. Today I say I do, but to me that means I will. I will take your hand and stand by your side in the good and the bad. That's what you're saying when you're saying your vows. It may not be exactly those words, but basically that's, that's pretty much uh, a marriage vow that you're making to one another. Now, if you've been married for a while, you might be saying to yourself, well, I wasn't exactly sure what that meant. I may have been caught up in the moment. <laughs> I didn't know that it involved snoring at night or leaving their clothes all over the floor or different parenting styles or job loss, sickness and in-laws and the outlaws. Funny thing about commitment, sometimes you you don't. That's why it's difficult when you think about making a commitment because you choose not to. That is why you should know what or who you're committing to before you say I do. Commitment is not just a word, brothers and sisters. It's an agreement. It's a bond. It's a relationship between people or groups based on shared feelings, interests, or experiences. It's a fellowship or a partnership, if you will. But you say, I didn't expect some of the things that occurred. That's why knowing who and what you're committing to is really, really important. Today, I'm not necessarily talking about marriage, although that was a good example. But what I am talking about is the commitment you made to Jesus Christ. When did you say to the Lord, I do? When you accepted him as Lord, you were basically saying that, that you were willing to be his bride, you know, that he calls the church his bride, Jesus does. And when you think about it, it it's, it's a phenomenal relationship if you have committed to it. The Apostle Paul was a man committed to Christ. How would you like your life measured up or compared to someone like the Apostle Paul? How do you think you would rank relative to commitment if you were really comparing apples to apples? Let's take a look at Paul's commitment for a moment as I read those scriptures to you. He was willing to count everything a loss. That's what verse 7 was saying. He said he counted everything a loss, but those things that were gained to me, he said those things he counted as loss. So you have to think about it. What was gained to Paul? You only need to look back in this uh, chapter of, of Philippians to really understand what he meant when he was saying that, you know, he could, he had, he had gained, but he counted it as loss. Gain what? Well, he says, 
I can have confidence in the flesh. And if you go back to verses four and six, he says, but if anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, he said, I do more. He talks about his his, his pedigree, I'll call it. He was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. And concerning the law, he was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, he persecuted the church. And concerning the righteousness, which is in the law, he was blameless. Now, you want to still compare apples to apples? And maybe we've got a few oranges here now. I don't know. Paul achieved a lot before his Damascus Road experience. I mean, he was well thought of and he was well read. But there is something about when you encounter Jesus, I know that for, for a fact, your life is never going to be the same. I know what I'm talking about. Paul said everything he accomplished were gain that was gain or good, but compared to Christ, it really just didn't measure up. Think about it. Everything you know, everything you've achieved, would you put it up against the knowledge you have in Christ Jesus? Does it really measure up or do you find that your commitment wasn't a commitment at all? Is your title more important, your career, your ability to make money, your social life more important than a relationship with Christ? How do they all stack up when you compare? It begs the question, what are your priorities? Is Christ getting to know him, living for him, honoring him, a commitment that you've made, or is it just simply lip service? What have you been willing to count but loss for Christ? Paul said in verse eight, yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Keep in mind, he was writing this letter to the church at Philippi, and yet he was in prison when he was writing all of this. I mean, that's a powerful statement that he counted everything as rubbish. The King James calls it dung, and we all know what dung is, right? He's saying it's worthless, it's useless, it's litter, it's refuse. That is what he thought of everything he'd done, everything he'd accomplished. He measured it, put it up against the knowledge of Christ, didn't measure up. His religious pedigree, everything to him was a waste in comparison. He's not saying that those things he acquired and learned didn't have any worth. He's saying that when you compare them to Christ Jesus, <laughs> They really mean nothing. He was and he did give it all away to know. He would gave it all away to know Christ. Paul wanted a personal relationship with Jesus. And it was clear if you understood everything that he endured. Paul is writing this letter in prison. Imagine having that kind of commitment and love for Christ that you're willing to be locked up and beaten. He was ready to die for Jesus. If you take a look at Philippians chapter one, beginning with verse 21, it read, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And then in verse 22, he says, but if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I'm hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. That's some kind of commitment, some kind of relationship, the type of relationship we should desire, the kind we should want to be in, to be in that deep fellowship, that deep relationship with Christ. Life, life meant nothing to Paul without Jesus. Paul is talking about Christian growth. He's not talking about salvation when you talk about that commitment to God. 
When you accepted Jesus as Savior, you received salvation. That means you begin spending time with him and you want to get to know him. Understand that what he desires from you and for you and he wants to refine you. You don't go into the baptismal pool and come out holy. No, you let everyone know that you are. when you're going into that baptismal pool, what you're doing is an outward display saying, I want all of you to know that I'm committing my life to Christ and I'm now willing and going to take the initiative and the steps to become who God wants me to be. Now, that could be the hard part because some will want to pull, want to pull you down and remind you of what you used to be. Do you really need a reminder? I don't. You already know who and what you used to be. But God, he's transforming you. That is what Paul means by forgetting those things which are behind. You don't need to remember what God has already forgotten. You mustn't grieve the Holy Spirit. In Greek, grief means or grieving means to cause to feel sorrow, pain, unhappiness, or distress. According to the Apostle Paul, you have the power to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. You don't have to let anyone come and try and drag you down because of the life you used to live. So, have you said, I do to Christ? Are you truly the church, his bride? What do you consider rubbish in your life that you would be willing to give up so that you could to attain the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus. The King James verse, verse, Version says it this way, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered all things and count them but dumb. See, that's what the King James Version says. They just said, let's cut to the chase. The excrement of man or beast, that's what dung is translated from. Hebrew and Greek words. He would do it. He would give it all away. That's what he counted. He counted all the other stuff he had achieved as so that he might win Christ. What are you willing to consider as lost today? How about your job? Maybe your education. Remember the rich young ruler? How about your money? How about some of them toxic people you hang around or want to hang around you? Those relationships that will only drag you down and not allow you to grow in the knowledge of Christ. And how about your pride? Always needing to be recognized. Always needing to be at the head of the line. Not willing to serve, but waiting to be served. It's a lot of things to consider. Will you marry me? <laughs> Those are the things you have to ask yourself when Jesus is, is calling you to grow in your faith and recommit your lives. So, are you ready to recommit? Are you ready to say I do? <clears throat> I hope you are. There's no better relationship, no better partnership, no better fellowship than one you would have with Christ. He is faithful. He'll keep every promise he makes to you and he always keeps his word. It's a marriage worth having. It's a relationship worth having. It's a Lord worth serving. Until next time, brothers and sisters, be sure to see the sunrise, the S-O-N, rise, to see Christ in your everyday situations. God bless you.